When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and this is Stuff You Should Know. Uh, another toy edition. We haven't done one in a while. Classic toy edition. Yep, I love these. Nerf. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I was I, uh, just got back from spring break, um, so I wanted to do a couple of things, and this is Nerf relevant, but mm-hmm. uh, got to see a bunch of L.A. pals, and I wanted to give a special shout-out which I'm sure you will agree with, even though you didn't see them, mm-hmm. to the Randazzo clan. Mm-hmm. Uh, our old buddy Joe Randazzo, uh, who we met many years ago, is, is a, still a faithful listener, as are his kids. No. Yeah, they listen to the show. They've called me and yelled and left messages yelling oh, at me about right. the show before. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but we finally got to hang out, and, and Ruby got to hang out with their three kids um, Cormac, Gus, and Hazel, mm-hmm. and they even spent the night at our rental house a couple of nights. By themselves? No, with Joe. The whole family did. Oh, okay. And we just had so much fun, and those kids are so much fun. And so big hellos to all of them. Very nice. But the reason I mentioned Nerf was I was uh, we went down to Venice Beach, uh, did a lot of touristy stuff, and I wanted to show Ruby the skate park there because she's used to seeing the kids at the local skate parks who are like, <laughs> Like literally can't even Ollie basically. Yeah, I and I was like Ruby. It's like your mind's gonna be blown when you go to this skate park at Venice Beach because these like this is where it was born and they really know what they're doing and it did not disappoint. There were some um, these three dudes that were just crushing it. These two kind of young teenagers and this one guy that looked like he was probably in his late twenties mm-hmm. and they were trying to outdo one one another and goofing around with one another and it was just a big fun show like I could watch that for hours and one of the guys the older guy kept making fun of the kids saying you're doing these nerf tricks you're doing these nerf tricks oh yeah <laughs> and I couldn't figure it out if it, that just meant like it's like a kitty version mm-hmm. of a real trick is kind of what I figured he meant mm-hmm. uh, like a nerf ball is like a kitty version of a real ball very nice segue Chuck I think that's probably what he meant but it was just so funny look at you with those nerf tricks could you tell what he was criticizing specifically, like what they were doing that was making him say that? It looked like just sort of little more basic stuff. Like they were coming out of the bowl and doing different things and then like landing on the flat surface. And anytime they just did sort of a basic thing, he'd say, get out of here with your Nerf tricks. Were they landing on their feet or on their skateboard? On their skateboard. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they would like kick a leg out and then land on the skateboard or something uh, like that. I wouldn't and, call it a Nerf trick. I mean, trust me, dude, I, I would 
I couldn't even run around this thing, much less do it on a skateboard. <laughs> but uh, this guy was so good, man, and everyone was so good, and it's just amazing to see them do that stuff. Nice. Very highly recommended if you go to Venice. Yeah, I can imagine. I've never gone to see that, but I'm going to now. It's amazing. So let's go back to your segue, Nerf. Nerf. <laughs> um, there's a lot of questions about Nerf, Chuck, in particular what Nerf means, uh, and not just in skating terms, in the original form even. Okay. So, for example, some people say it was French for nerve, obviously. It makes total oh, sense. That's not true at all. There's other people who say it stands for non-expanding recreational foam. That's not true at all, but you will see that all over the Internet as fact. Not correct. Instead, it's got one of the cooler origin stories or most interesting origin stories for a, a word that no one really knows where it came from. Yeah, and if you're in some part of the world that's right now saying, what is Nerf? Uh, we should just quickly say that there it's a, it's a toy brand mm -hmm. made of soft, foamy products. And we'll kind of go through the history, but, you know, they started with balls and then uh, now they make all kinds of stuff. But it's, you know, spongy, soft, foamy things that you can throw and not hurt somebody with. Wow. That uh, was some but, professional podcasting <laughs> just now. But the origin, and this is something I remember when I was a, a kid because we had Nerf bars on our Jeep. Mm -hmm. uh, it started out as a racing thing. Like if you bumped up against another car in a race, they could... They might call that a nerf, and they eventually started putting this metalwork on the outside of the cars to prevent damage if you hit a car like that. Mm -hmm. And those were called nerf bars. And today they're still called, like, if you have a, like, I have a pickup truck that has nerf bars, and instead of having a little tiny step, you know, sometimes big trucks and Jeeps and things, you'll have a step to step into the car. Sure. Instead of just being a little step, it's a big round bar that extends sort of the length of at least the door, two doors, if you have a two-door or a four-door, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and they still call those Nerf bars. Does it say yeehaw every time you step on it to get in the truck? <laughs> it really does. Um, I, I'm familiar with Nerf bars as like those the, like anti-roll bars like you were talking about on your dad's Jeep or something like that. Um, those can, especially if you have like a soft top or a no top like Jeep and you have a roll bar over your head to keep you from dying or the jeep from crushing you if it rolls over mm -hmm. um it can still hurt pretty bad because that's a metal bar even if it is hollow and if you go over some bumps and you hit your head on it that's I've a problem it. yeah so people started figuring out very quickly in the um the advent of off-roading that you could put foam padding on those bars and that's where nerf bars came from this idea that foam padding could prevent uh, some sort of injury became like kind of wedded to that idea of nerf, which was originally just a little bump. Um, and that's apparently where the actual, the name comes from. That's the origin story. It was a marketing person who was familiar with that term and just brilliantly thought to apply it to these little yeah. foam balls that can't hurt anybody because they're too light. Yeah. Uh, they are generally, there's all kinds of nerf products, but generally we're talking about polyurethane foam. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got a little thin plastic coating that um, kind of keeps the, the foam from breaking down uh, as much and gives like like a, a Nerf arrow, like better flight characteristics. Uh, but that's basically all it is. It's a very low-tech thing. Uh, the Grabster helped us with this and I think very astutely kind of argues that that's part of the appeal of Nerf is that it's a very low-tech product and 
sort of like a Frisbee. Sometimes it doesn't have to be something fancy to really endure in the toy market. Yeah, I think that that that's one reason why Nerf has just hung in there for so long because they're just, they're very prolific, but the stuff they make is, it's just, I don't know. It, it becomes like iconic here in the United mm-hmm. States. Like it definitely did from the, the beginning of the 70s till the mid 90s. Yeah. I think it's kind of gotten less like a huge cultural thing over time, but it's become more niche. Yeah. Um, and I think just as widespread, but just not quite as like um, pop culturally. Yeah, I would agree with that. So one other thing about the word nerf, it's kind of um, experienced a rebirth mm-hmm. among gaming communities. Uh, apparently back in, I found the actual origin for this, Chuck, you ready? Sure. In the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a massive multiplayer online role-playing game called Ultima Online. Mm-hmm. And when they launched it, the for some reason, the swords that you used were way more devastating uh, than any other weapons. And so the developers were like, this is a problem. Everybody's just using swords and it's not really fair. Um, so they went in, they fixed it. They put a patch in there and swords suddenly became less devastating. And players complained that it was like hitting one another with nerf swords now. And so nerf became a word for anything, uh, especially in games, where the developers go in and like downgrade its effectiveness, essentially. So like they should have nerfed Bo Jackson in Tech Mobile because uh, he was unstoppable. Was he? Oh, man. Yeah, it's sort of a legendary thing is that in the original Tech Mobile, mm-hmm. or I don't know if he's the original, but Bo Jackson was, uh, you couldn't stop him. And like if you played the Raiders, you you know, you would have to instill rules like Bo Jackson can only carry the ball like once every five plays or something. Oh, really? Yeah, because he was just built faster and better and you could like score almost every time he touched the ball. I mean, that's an appropriate person to, to make like that. Oh, for sure. for sure. But it was so gamed. It was just like, you know, it wasn't even fair. But yes, to circle back to your original point, that is an excellent use of the term nerf. <laughs> uh, the nerf that we know and love was invented by a guy named uh, Ren Geyer. Uh, R-E-Y-N, Geyer. It's short for Reynolds. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And he invented Twister, so he's got a couple of big-time pop culture uh, games under his belt. Yeah. And he was um, forming a company, and he wanted uh, to design a game where kids could throw rocks at each other. And so (laughs) they made them, obviously, out of foam. And they had this uh, packing foam and this technique that they used, cutting that foam with heated wire Mm -hmm. that worked out pretty well. And he wanted to to sort of gamify it, uh, like I said, and not just, you know, make it a, a light ball that you could just throw at each other. But that was kind of the hit from the uh, from the get, uh, which was you could throw something at your little brother and not get in trouble because it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't break a window. And uh, they took it to basically everybody. I think Milton Bradley passed on it. Parker Brothers bit. But they said let's just do the ball. Like we don't need some dumb game around it. And that was the very first thing. It was a ball in a box and it was a Nerf ball and off to the races. Yeah. The first ad copy said, throw it indoors. You can't damage lamps or break windows. You can't hurt babies or old people. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's where it got weird. (laughs) And then uh, on the package itself, they call it the world's first indoor ball. And it took off like a rocket. Yeah. Like a Nerf rocket. Uh, this was 1969, big success, hard to get good numbers 
like with a lot of products, it's really hard to get like great numbers sometimes. But mm-hmm. um, I've seen anywhere from like three to four million of those sold in that first year. It's astounding. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just a round polyurethane foam ball. That's it. That's all. That's it. They just put it in a box with, and made made it pretty colors out of it, and and ragged on old people right. and babies, <laughs> and it was a hit. So um, that's right. That was 1969, I think, when the first Nerf ball came out. So they they didn't actually start innovating themselves. I should say they um, they they knew a good idea where they saw it, yeah. and they saw it from a pair of guys, Fred Cox, who was a place kicker for the Vikings. And a businessman named John Maddox, and they had a very good idea that took Nerf into the next dimension. Yeah, this is a pretty funny story, actually, because John Maddox wanted to build a game, like a, a field goal kicking game, where they had these little portable goal posts, mm-hmm. and you could go in the yard and kick field goals, just like the pros do. And uh, he went to Fred Cox, who, like you said, was a, a professional kicker for the Vikings, and he was like, here's what I want to do, but here's the deal is... Like, this ball can't go too far because yards aren't huge. And um, so we should make it like a medicine ball or something that's mm-hmm. shaped like a football uh, so they can't kick it very far. And Fred Cox was like, that is not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> kicking a big heavy ball is is really stupid, and you could get injured very easily. He said, why don't you do something super, super light and very low density and soft? So it doesn't matter if you can kick it far. It's not going to hurt anything. Well, plus it won't go very far because it's foam. Yeah, I mean, it would. I mean, you can kick a Nerf football pretty well. Okay, all right, calm down. <laughs> I love it when you say "calm down" when <laughs> no one's not calm. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good bit. Uh, so I don't even know where it was. Oh yeah, so he's like, "Let's do that," and um, so they they had a uh, created a mold, an injection mold in the shape of a football, filled it with foam, and uh-huh. they took it around and Parker brothers again said, oh, we don't need this dumb game. No one wants to kick field goals. It's like, no one wants to be a kicker. That's really boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just sell the ball. And right. they licensed it from them because they were trying to work on a football, but that heated wire cutting thing couldn't make a good football. They, they had never thought of injection molding. So mm-hmm. they said, great, we'll, we'll use your idea. And then in 72, the Nerf football and Nerf basketball, I had both of these. Mm-hmm. Very early in my life, I probably had the maybe fourth generation of these, mm-hmm. or maybe first generation, but I, I got one in, by the time I was probably four years old. And uh, that was it for about two decades. Yeah, you could say that. There was also some pretty iconic stuff. It just wasn't as big as the Nerf football or Nerf ball, like Nerf tabletop pool. Remember that? Yeah. And uh, th- I had uh, like a ping pong, I think. Yeah, uh, there was also the Nerf boomerang, the three oh, pronged yes. boomerang. Oh, yes, I had that. That was Nerf. Those things came out in the meantime, but um, Ed puts it like that, and I think some people would probably agree, like, yeah, they didn't have any massive mega hits. And even if they did, the point is that in the 90s, Nerf got essentially completely reimagined as a, as a totally different toy company. And I think, Chuck, if you ask me if I can toot my own horn a little mm-hmm. bit here, that was a quality cliffhanger I just set us up for. (laughs) Beep, beep. Okay, so let's take a break, and we'll be right back.
I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was booted. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So you set the stage uh, that Nerf was about to rebrand, and they rebranded indeed in a big way from a company that makes fun balls to a weapons manufacturer. <laughs> it's basically it's true. kind of true. Uh, yeah. But there's a story behind this. Uh, in 1987, and Nerf has bounced around. There's sort of the stuff you should know of uh, toys. Uh, I that thought the same thing. They have been owned by virtually everyone, I think, except for Parker Brothers. Or no, 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 wait. They were owned by Parker Brothers. Yeah, they weren't owned by Milton Bradley. Milton Bradley, right. So they in 87, they were part of Kenner. Uh, part of General Mills, same as Parker Brothers. Uh, and I think then Kenner was purchased by Tonka in mm-hmm. 91. Hasbro bought Tonka. So Nerf kind of endured through all those uh, changes, as have we. As Nerf, right? As, yeah, it stayed Nerf, uh, yeah. just like we stayed stuff you should know. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, at any point someone could have come along, one of our company owners, and said, let's change the name. Yeah. You know? Yep, I know. It was or the very dangerous. <laughs> it's a dangerous time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but there's another toy company that plays in called Laramie. Mm-hmm. And a gentleman that my daughter met recently. What? Uh, I wanted to do a full episode on Lonnie Johnson, uh, but they did uh, their first little, you know, how you, you do a little oral report. Um, mm-hmm. They did their first ones in second grade during Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids profiled Lonnie Johnson, and mm-hmm. he is still alive and is local. And they yeah, took lives a, in Atlanta. Yeah, they took a field trip and met with Lonnie Johnson. That's awesome. So, yeah, Very this cool. guy is he's a bona fide inventor. He's in the Inventors Hall of Fame uh, for a number of reasons. But his his whole thing that he's been trying to do all these decades is to come up with green energy solutions yeah. long before anybody ever used the word green to describe things like energy solutions. And in 1982, he was actually coming up with a cooling device. I'm sure Ruby knows all about this. Probably. And um, the cooling device he was going to use would replace the Freon cooling device for a refrigerator. So get rid of Freon. Um, and there's something happened. There was the, it, it, there was a malfunction somehow, and a, a really pressurized blast of water shot out of one of the tubes he was using. And rather than, like, kick over his equipment and, like, start shouting into <laughs> right. the air, which is what most people do, he saw a new opportunity. He was like, hey, I just figured out a way to pressurize water really easily and simply and I'll bet you could make a really cool squirt gun out of that. Yeah. Do you know what's funny is no one before Lonnie Johnson that ever saw a pressurized stream of water shoot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anywhere mm-hmm. thought kids would love this. Right. Like it had happened before. He's He didn't see the first stream of water <laughs> being true. shot. But he was like, yeah. hey, man, that's like the coolest squirt gun ever. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's why, you know, someone like Lonnie Johnson is a certified genius and has like such an inventor's brain. Right. They see the world differently. Exactly. Um, and he uh, he was like, I want to test my idea. I, I'm going to build a prototype for my daughter and give it to her, set her loose on the neighborhood. Yeah. And I think she was, she just probably very quickly became the boss of the neighborhood. Right. With her new, um, what eventually would come to be called a super soaker, but was originally a power drencher. Yeah. So uh, Laramie, this toy company I mentioned, uh, they weren't very big. They licensed his idea. Uh, as the power drencher, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, was rebranded in 91 as the super soaker. And in the meantime, we'll jump back to Nerf here. Uh, between um, 87 and when the super soaker comes along, they had started making uh, weapons, things like, um, you know, uh, a bow and arrow, like a Nerf bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very first thing they ever used, and you can still buy these on eBay, was called the Nerf Blast Ball in 1989. It's like a pop gun. Yeah, it's just a a, a tube uh, with a handle, and you could just pump a ball out, a little Nerf ball. Mm-hmm. And so they were getting into sort of the Nerf gun business, but it was really when Super Soaker was uh, purchased by or Laramie rather, who owned the Super Soaker, was purchased by Hasbro. Mm-hmm. When those two worlds kind of uh, all of a sudden were under the same roof, they said, "Wait a minute." This whole idea of using pressure to increase force and range and accuracy with water, we can use with Nerf as well. And then all of a sudden, the Nerf gun, they don't call them guns as a company. They call them blasters. The Nerf blaster became the new thing in a big way. 
Yeah, that's what Nerf went all in on. The first thing they came out with was a um, the Nerf, Nerf sharpshooter, and that was actually powered by a spring, but it's still considered the first Nerf blaster. They also came up with a bunch of other um, ways of shooting a foam missile or projectile out of a Nerf gun, including Lonnie Johnson's way of compressing air and then releasing air um, forcefully. Um, and I, I, that's it. Like the whole company just completely changed and became that because they they got so popular so quickly. Yeah, and it kind of, you know, Ed makes a good point. It kind of aligned with a bunch of things. Uh, it aligned with the 90s, which was, you know, remember everything was just extreme back then. That was the big buzzword mm-hmm. in, in toys and in sports and everything else. And it also, uh, very sadly, um, also met with the rise in gun violence in this country. Well, not just that. There was a big problem with people who were playing with toy guns getting killed by the cops. There were actually yeah. three kids aged 13, 16, and 19 who were killed in a six-month period between 1987 and 1988 um, because police had mistaken their toy guns as, as real guns and killed them. Um, and so Nerf was like, okay, these are not guns, and the ones we're designing aren't going to look anything like guns. They're going to look like a cartoon toy conception of what a gun would look like in the hands of Roger Rabbit. Right, in space, because yes. a lot of these look more like sort of laser space guns mm-hmm. than, you know, gun guns, or at least they did for a while. Uh, and this, you know, Nerf gun culture sort of rose in lockstep with uh, gun violence in this country uh, post 9-11. Um, all of a sudden, uh, and I hadn't heard this uh, expression before, but Ed used it, tactical uh, military cosplay gear and uh-huh. that whole aesthetic of like, hey, let me sort of uh, dress up like I'm in the army or I'm in the special forces or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they started putting sniper scopes and ammo clips and all this pseudo military gear alongside these Nerf or as part of the Nerf line. Right. Um, like if you look up some of these guns, the Centurion Blaster it looks like a, a sniper rifle or, or an assault rifle with a, you know, a bipod stand. and uh, But it's got these big bright colors. Um, you start to be able to mod these guns yourself. So Nerf started saying, well, hey, wait a minute. What if we started our own modding, uh, which they did starting in 2003 when they had um, these like tactical rails built in where you could attach other things to it to make it look more like a weapon uh, or you could attach guns two other guns to make like this super gun mm-hmm. or a super blaster and stuff like that. So all of this stuff was sort of, I don't want to say taking over the brand because they were, they were also pushing it at the same time, but that became the big thing in Nerf. Yeah. And I, I, I have the impression that ner- the Nerf modding community, they're modding guns because that's what Nerf makes, but they're also modding guns because they play like in Nerf battles and Nerf wars and you use guns for that. So they're making it their own. So I'm sure there's a hardcore, overzealous, like, like gun culture, mm-hmm. subculture to it. But the impression I have more is it's more tinkerers, engineers. Yeah. Uh, almost like um, reformed steampunk people. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not to say, like, there's this, like, dangerous, ominous subculture that's just waiting to rise up. Those are the people who modify real guns. These, are, these people are playing with Nerf guns, essentially. Right. Exactly. Just wanted to point that out. There's a distinction. There is. Uh, you go look up the Nerf Titan. 
which I did. It's essentially like a Gatlin gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is super cool and fun. And it, uh, you know, uh, Adam Savage um, has a fun video where he modded one in his little shop to, um, I think he modded the, uh, I'm not sure if it was the Titan or not. Mm-hmm. It was, which was the one that has like a hundred uh, rounds it could hold of these little Nerf That's balls. That's the rival nemesis. Okay, so he modded, I guess, a rival nemesis to to have like a one thousand pellet clip. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and then shot at a uh, a guy in a dinosaur costume in a shop, uh, and it's kind of a, a fun video on YouTube if you want to go check that out. The, the great Adam Savage. Yeah, the um, yeah, that one is amazing looking. It looks kind of like the remember the Gatling gun in um, Predator. Oh, Predator. No, yeah. Okay. It yeah. made that sound. It's like that, basically. It's the Nerf version of the Predator Gatling gun. Yeah, which is what they do. They look at whatever cool space gun or real gun they're using in the movies, Nerf will come along and, and make one, basically. And they've also extended that to stuff like uh, licensing deals with gaming companies uh, where they like you can get like a, a real Nerf Fortnite gun or something like that. Yeah, which are pretty cool looking. Um, and also that whole Nerf mod community, uh, they, of course, have lots of, like, explainers and step-by-step and how-to videos to mod your own. Um, there are people who made their the, a livelihood out of that. Um, there's a guy named Out of Darts. His name's Luke Goodman. Uh, he's kind of a guru in that whole sense. There's a company called Spitfire Products that's on Etsy, and they make entirely from scratch Nerf sniper rifles that are 3D printed, and it looks exactly like something Nerf would produce. Yeah. But they came up with the di- design themselves. So there's like a, like the people who are into it, like I was saying, when Nerf releases a new product, it's not like all of America knows about it. Right. But the people who are into Nerf, like, are really, really into Nerf now, more than people were before. It's like they took all of that widespread in, but relatively shallow enthusiasm and concentrated it much more deeply but in a more narrow band. That's right. So uh, you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take another break, and we'll talk about some of these Nerf games right after this. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. (laughs) And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. 
I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate you talking doubly fast on behalf of me trying to make up for my halftime speak. <laughs> what? Do you talk slow? Yeah, I do. I feel like I feel like I've been talking slower than normal lately. How about you? I feel like you talk at a normal speed. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I feel like you're talking faster too. I don't feel like I'm talking faster. <laughs> I could <laughs> I could just be losing it. Uh, I do want to say Chuck before uh-huh. we get into it, I feel like it'd be silly if we didn't mention that Hasbro is the company that made our Stuff You Should Know Trivial Pursuit game. Oh, yeah. Even, oh, wait, we'll disguise it as like a humble brag. Just full disclosure, you know, right. we don't want it to seem like, we don't want anybody, we don't want it to come out and seem like we're playing secret favorites. Yeah, we're part of the Nerf family, I guess, too, huh? Totally. I love that. Um, so there's a lot of games that people play, uh, with Nerf specifically, but also in general. Um <laughs> And one of the things that people love to play um, with Nerf guns are these huge battles that can last hours, sometimes days, sometimes longer, and can involve many hundreds of people in some cases. Yeah, it seems like one of the more fun, uh, because this worked its way into the cosplay community, of course, Mm -hmm. as they mod these and steampunk these things up, you know, that's going to happen. And, you know, if you're you're looking for a cool, like, cosplay outfit, a, a Nerf, you know, that's like paramilitary or something. Nerf is a pretty obvious place to start because sure. like you're already halfway there. Just get out some cool mods and some paint. But what if you're into like zombie and post-apocalyptic stuff? What do you do then? Well, friend, then you play Human V Zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, it sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they can incorporate like other elements like capture the flag and some things like that into it. But uh, HVZ is when you have um, one zombie initially, um, a bunch of humans. They are wearing two different colored bandanas to distinguish one from the other. Mm-hmm. And I want to play this. Humans uh, can it, – it'd be like it would be in real life. Um, you can shoot a zombie <laughs> with, you know, from a distance 
uh, with the Nerf gun, but a zombie has to actually touch you, uh, you know, mocking the bite, you know, that you would have to get in person uh, up close from a zombie in order to turn you into a zombie. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, and you know, of course, it's eventually going to flip. The more zombies there are, the fewer humans, you know, imagine that it starts growing exponentially, just mm-hmm. like in zombie movies. Uh, but if you're a zombie and you get hit with a Nerf uh, bullet or arrow or whatever, uh, then you just have to sit out for 15 minutes and you're back in the game. And these games can be huge. They can be hundreds of people mm-hmm. and they can last like a weekend. Yeah, and like you're tracked online by mod moderators and um, the college campuses, if you haven't guessed by now, are, are yeah. frequent sites of human versus zombies sure. nerf battles, right? God bless and I them. think just nerf battles in general. But because there's so many people and everybody's all up on everybody else, um, in addition to the nerf guns, they'll often have nerf melee weapons. Yeah, why not? Like battle axes and swords and maces and Nerf made a lot of these. And now, you know, anytime it starts to get discontinued, they become like more expensive collector's items. Right. But I was looking, Chuck, if you if you look up like new Nerf stuff that you could buy at like Target, mm-hmm. um, a, a huge consumer of the Stuff You Should Know book that we put out. Um, <laughs> they're pretty affordable, actually. I mean, they're not nearly as much as I thought they'd be. I, I would have like thought like gun? these— yeah, I would have thought like a Nerf like machine gun. Yeah, how much would have been easily a hundred dollars, one hundred and twenty dollars. Oh. No, they're like forty, fifty bucks. Okay, for like a big full size one. Yeah, I think they get you with the ammo, maybe. Uh yeah, sure. The ammo's a little expensive, but you can also buy um, off brand stuff online for much cheaper too. I hear. Yeah, whammo. What about them? Well, I was just joking. Like the off-brand ammo would be called Whammo. But I oh, forgot yeah. Whammo is a real toy brand. <laughs> it's like, why did you bring Whammo into this? They're a totally different toy What if Frisbees have to do with it? Do you remember that, that movie Gotcha with Anthony Edwards? Oh, do I. That's kind of what this reminds me of. But yep, back I thought then, the same thing. kids, pull up a chair and listen to a yarn spun by some old old guys. Um, they're, rather than Nerf guns, there used to be um, low-powered paintball guns that mm-hmm. were all the thing in the mid 80s yeah and laser tag remember that yeah laser tag man i got cornered by somebody once in laser tag and he just kept killing me over and over again i <laughs> shouted at him stop <laughs> did he stop i don't think he did or maybe but he still shot me a few more times before he did just to show me he wasn't listening to me and that person went on to be the btk killer <laughs> <laughs> uh there was also that movie Tag, the assassination game. You remember that? No, I don't remember that. Gotcha was more popular, I think. Yeah, but it was the same premise, right? Like Anthony Edwards thinks he's I playing so. like a, a paintball game, but he's actually caught up in international intrigue. <laughs> I think so. It was no cloak and dagger, I'll tell you that. Mm, the great Dabney Coleman. Mm-hmm. He was an amazing actor. Oh, I'm I sorry love to Dabney get off Coleman. track here. I know we don't do this very often, <laughs> but... I saw Cloak and Dagger recently, saw 9 to 5 not too long ago. He's so good. Some other, a, a couple other movies I can't even remember because he just pops up in the most random places. But Modern Problems? Am- I don't remember that one. No, out of Time, I think, was one where he, he's a cop who finds out he's dying erroneously and uh, he tries to get himself killed so that his wife can get his police pension for dying in the line of duty. I don't, I don't know. And he one. just can't do it. It was a good one. It's cute. Um, cute considering he was a cop who was trying right. to, to get someone to kill him. Yeah. 
But um, he was he's just an amazing actor, like just so underrated by yeah. me as a kid. Now that I'm an adult, I'm like, this guy was good. Yeah. Love Dabney Coleman. Uh, all right. So the future of Nerf, uh, their main slogan since the 90s has been it's Nerf or nothing. Mm-hmm. And they still, like you said, are coming out with new stuff here and there. Uh, they are now coming up with their their ammunition is a little firmer than before. They're starting to come out uh, come out with things that aren't quite foam. It's a little more like rubber. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine that hurts a little bit more. I think even one of these guns is banned in some of these games because you know it's sort of like uh, not quite as bad as a paintball, but you can you know it can get a real sting with mm-hmm. with the range of some of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they advertise a range of like 90 feet for some of these. Whereas in our day, well, in our day it was just, it was just footballs and basketballs. But, uh, or when they started coming out with the little, uh, the little, you know, sucker darts, um, you know, those things they shot in an arc, you know, not much velocity. They went wide, real wide. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's definitely increased tremendously. And then the, that whole modding community, one of the things they're into is increasing accuracy, power, distance, all that stuff. Um, and one of the things I think that uh, Nerf has really been smart about is that they know what their customers are doing with their stuff. And so they respond in kind. Like they found out people were modding their guns, so they put up tactical rails to make it easier to mod. Um, they found out people were playing humans versus zombies. So they came out with a whole line of like post-apocalyptic zombie guns and mm-hmm. chainsaws and baseball bats and stuff like that, all branded like Nerf zombie. Um, and I, I feel like I, I didn't realize that that was going on, but now that I see it, um, I just think that's really smart. And you don't see that very often among a company in a way that's not like exploitive or going for a quick buck or something like that. They seem mm-hmm. like they're really genuinely responding because they put like real thought into all their products. But I, I did not find a single person online complaining about Nerf and its products. Not a single yeah. one. And I think that that's so rare that, um, I mean, I like Nerf now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're a smart company. They've got partnerships with the NFL, uh, with, um, with games. Like there have been Nerf first-person shooter games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they now have these, uh, I don't think there are many of them yet, uh, the Nerf Action Experience Centers, mm-hmm. which is like a big, you know, the big indoor playgrounds are such a huge thing now for kids, mm-hmm. like trampoline zones and stuff like that. But Nerf has their own. I think there's one in, uh, oh, where was it? I saw somewhere in Asia, but there's now one, I think, being built in the UK, one okay. in New-, New Jersey, like this is sort of the next wave for them. Is, Hong Kong, is, London, is, New Jersey. <laughs> it wasn't Hong Kong, but yeah, you you got the right point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, these action experience centers seem like kind of the next big thing for them is, you know, not only do you have their products in there, but you're charging a kid, whatever, 19 bucks to come in and play for a few hours. Sure. Kind of like a Legoland or something. Yeah. Although that has rides and things, doesn't it? Uh, Yes, it does. It does. Sticky rides. Okay. <laughs> I've never it's been for there. For little like kids. Yeah. Everything's very sticky. Um, well, you got anything else about Nerf? No. Let's, let's wrap this one up. Okay. Well, we just wrapped it up because Chuck said so, which means, of course, it's time for listener mail. Uh, you know what? We're going to forego listener mail. Uh, I believe this is coming out right before our tour. So this is a last-ditch 
effort in real time <laughs> to get people to buy tickets. Uh, we May 4th, we're going to be at the Warner Theater in D.C. Mm -hmm. uh, the very next night, um, May 5th, uh, at the Chevalier in Medford, Mass., right outside of Boston. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then May 6th at gorgeous, legendary Massey Hall in Toronto. Uh, I believe we moved a lot of tickets in Boston, but D.C. and Toronto are kind of lagging, so uh, plenty of great seats. We'd love to see everybody on this uh, spring tour. We're going to be coming out again in the fall, but this is if you're in the Northeast, this is your chance. Yes, and you can get tickets by going to linktree slash S-Y-S-K, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash S-Y-S-K. It'll take you to all the ticket sites you need to go to to come see us. So come see us, everybody. All right. Sounds good to me. Can't wait to get out there, and we look forward to seeing everyone in D.C., Boston, and Toronto. Agreed. And if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime to tell us how much you can't wait to see us in the Northeast, we'd love to hear that. You can send it as an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts my iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.